0: Like, organised crime has really taken a shift upwards in Ireland in the last couple of years. Thankfully, there's been minimal tiger kidnappings and and, and that kind of stuff. But, I mean, with the amount of executives that come into Ireland from these, you know, American multinationals, the risk is always there. Welcome to The Circuit Magazine. The number one source of information on protection matters. The industry-leading magazine for all security professionals
1: who want to stay ahead of the game. Post-Brexit opportunities in Ireland. No matter where you stand on the political spectrum or the debate, it is clear that opportunities are happening in Ireland. More international missions... And companies are doing business there. So today, uh, we're very pleased to be speaking uh, with Gary Bergen, uh, who is the ISRM local chapter, but also uh, a a big friend of the industry. Um, I'm here with John Moss, and I, I, I guess this is simultaneously... Uh, a good news topic but 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 perhaps one that will stir up a lot of feeling uh, in the community one way or the other and how can we cut through the noise because i think there is a good story to tell for the protector
2: yeah of course and you know first of all it's just great to be expanding and extending our community and uh you know the more people you know the more connected you are the easier it is to operate. It's always good to build up that black book with trusted contacts and certainly, you know, personally, I don't know that many operators and certainly not at the level uh, of Gary's experience over across in the Irish Republic. So it, it's it's great to meet Gary and get to know him as we will do in this interview, but there's uh, so many other subplots uh, you know, with, with Ireland and in particular post-Brexit and the opportunities that have been created recently in Ireland or uh, maybe even as much as over the last decade with lots of uh, companies, lots of big tech companies moving there and, and obviously that brings with it a, a lot of um, high net worth interests, a lot of uh, senior management, corporate and so that in itself will be creating opportunities, and um, whether you're on the Irish side or the you know across in the international community, I'm sure the information that Gary's going to share with us today is going to be useful and certainly of
1: interest to everyone. Exactly, and you you mentioned it's good to expand your network. Well, don't don't forget, you know. Uh, Gary is a friend of David uh, Rubens, Dr. David Rubens, who very kindly supports our work as well. And you know, we recently had on our learning and development forum. So it is a bit of a small world as well, but it is nice to broaden our horizons. Now, Gary in particular has an interesting uh, history in that he is also an academic. And just like Dr. David Rubens, he's doing a doctorate in security. Although rather interestingly, and I think it will actually surprise many of our listeners, his doctorate by and large is on close protection and standards and, and, and I, think, I think that is a, a quite a quite an interesting facet uh, which, which we can also go into because there is a you know an assumption, oh I'll do some academic study, I'll do professional study, but not so many have gone as far to do a doctorate. In said uh, subject, um, do 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 you think that's going to change, John? Yeah, well, this is
2: interesting. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about this. I, I don't know anyone else who's who's gone down that path, like you say. You know, uh, friend of the show, Dr. David Rubens. Um, but it will be interesting, I'm sure, for our listeners also to who might be considering considering an academic path that actually, you know, you don't have to go totally off-piste and maybe you could do something uh directly related to the 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 function, uh your background and experience within the security industry and you know particularly within close protection.
1: That's exactly right, isn't it? Because if it's your passion, you're going to find more to write about more to research about and i bet you'll get some good interviews uh for 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 your viva and stuff like that
2: and, and not on not, not only that not only that but you know i think our industry could really benefit from this because obviously when you start getting into academia at such a high level they've become you know it, it opens up uh research avenues papers uh you know submissions to journals and i think while the SIA licensing process was, was a great leap forward for uh, the, the, the British industry. There's still a lot of assumptions that we make within the industry about the industry. So having papers written on this subject uh, by academics
1: could be really useful, especially academics who have a background within the industry. Well, it will definitely elevate uh, the cause and, and uh, you know, many topics. So, so, so I really like that. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, let's, let's meet Gary then and let's connect with our friends in the Republic of Ireland. And I'm fascinated to find more about his doctoral research project. Um, this is Gary Bergen for Post-Brexit Opportunities and Friendships in the Republic of Ireland.
0: And now, let's meet one of the contributors to the Circuit magazine.
1: Delighted to be joined by Gary Bergen, commercial manager and consultant for Manguard Plus. How are you doing? How you doing? Thanks for having me, fellow. Great to have you on. And you, you, you come, of course, with lots of recommendations. And we know you from lots of other things. Um, but today we're delighted to sort of seek your advice on partnerships and friendships, um, in Ireland and you know with uh, you know, a partners in Ireland. So I guess maybe our three quick fire questions. Let's try them because I think it's really important to understand. What do people get wrong? What's what's the problem that people might face when they start to look for partners in Ireland?
0: Okay, okay. Well, look, sometimes the, the biggest issue in Ireland is there's internal politics within different associations. Um, you'll have some associations that, you know, they can't see the wood for the trees or get the bigger picture on why you would collaborate. And um, sometimes the personal difference of one person in an association has an issue with a person in another association, and that kind of spoils it for everybody. So it kind of descends into playground antics. So that's the biggest challenge in
1: making security partnerships on earth. I see, okay, well, that's, uh, that's, that's really key, but you seem to have uh, pushed through. And uh, of course you have many great partnerships, uh, you know, ISRM and IFPO and, 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 and many others. Where does your passion come from? And, you know, can you tell us a bit, a, a bit about your background? Okay, well, look, I
0: have 25 years experience in, in the commercial security sector. I started working for a, a sports retailer. I became a security manager there. Then I moved to head of security for a luxury retailer. Um, I worked down as a national security manager for a, a garden company. Um, and I, I, I received amazing training there. Um, I was sent to the UK primarily for a lot of the training. I went to work for Mangard Plus for two years, then I worked for another Mangard and company. Didn't like it, and I moved back to Mangard where I've been for seven years now. Um, academically and professionally, I kind of I came late to the party. Um, I I started, I only did my masters in 2018, um, I'm a doctoral student in the PSA in sorry in the private in Portsmouth University at the moment, and um, doing a DBA. But my my thesis is on. Uh, to develop the Close Protection Syllabus for the Private Security Authority in Ireland, which is predated by my master's dissertation, which was a critical analysis of the SIA Close Protection Syllabus. Um, I mean, I've done the SIA CP course. I'm PSA licensed. I have my ACES CPP qualification. You know, I'm an IFPO and CPOA instructor. I've just finished a level nine uh, award in Strategic Leadership and Organisational Change. And then from the association point of view, I sit on the advisory board of IFTO. I was former ACES voice chair for two years and the current chair of the ISRM chapter. And last year, I was admitted as a, a chartered security professional. And I'm a fellow of both the ISRM and the Security Institute. So I really believe in getting, getting out there. You look, exposure is, is, is key to, to all of this
1: love it yeah that and, that and that really plays to the partnerships uh, sort of angle that we we are looking for and you your you're shining an example and i love your academic work and I, i'm sure we'll get into that a little, bit, a little a little bit more when we come to standards and, and and so on but let's just take a step back so obviously our audience is mostly cpep uh focused um some corporate security um what do you think the completely uninitiated professional should think about or think about start doing when uh, you know either going to work in Ireland or or maybe looking uh, to partner with an Irish company.
0: Well, I think the, the big thing is understand that all all security companies are not not the same. You know, don't look at those as you said earlier on the glossy brochures. Um, do your own research and look for peer advice. Look for people who have worked for that company. And what their feedback is, did they how they pay on time, that kind of stuff. Um, the other thing is look for look for external training initiatives, um, with the accredited courses. You know, don't don't just do the bare minimum. Like if you look at the SIA CP course, that in my opinion, that's the bare minimum. But try and get onto other courses. And people, there's a lot of people that they, they, they want to be the 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 one and um, the one trick pony for everybody. Like you can't be a specialist in everything. So pick one element of it and stick with it and network as much as possible because you could be talking to your next boss. I think that's critical. How is the
3: the threat landscape and security opportunities changed and evolved in Ireland over the last couple of years, especially following Brexit?
0: Well, funny, I actually wrote a paper on this for my masters. And when I researched it, the head of MI5 and the head of MI6 had completely different uh, opinions. So I mean, if the heads of those can't get it right, what chance do we have? And what I will say to you is, look, organised crime has has really taken a, a shift upwards in Ireland in the last couple of years. Thankfully, there's been minimal tiger kidnappings and and, and that kind of stuff. But I mean, you know, with with the amount of um, with the amount of um, executives that come into Ireland from these, you know, American multinationals, look, the, the risk is always there. Would you say the opportunities have grown since Brexit or? Absolutely. For in, in Ireland, if you look at in just, for example, data centers in Ireland, like Ireland is the data center home of Europe at the moment. Like one third of our national power grid is used to power data centers. Um, and with that, you have, you know, your eBay, your Facebook, PayPal, and um, Amazons. I mean, they're, they're massive and the opportunities are massive. And like a lot of those companies have their own internal systems um, to manage the, the, the CP and EP um, requirements. So the EP and
3: executive security opportunities have increased also.
0: Yes, but in my opinion, under the radar, a lot of a lot of the, 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 the large companies, they manage their own EP um, systems. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't want to mention anyone specifically, but they have their own close protection teams, which are normally sourced from either XGuarda or X you know, Ranger Wing, which is the equivalent of our SAS, mm-hmm. of your SAS. So what regulations and license licensing arrangements should UK
3: and international operators uh, be aware of when they're working or operating
0: in Ireland? Funny enough, Sean, you don't actually need a, a license to be a bodyguard in Ireland, but you do need a license to stand outside of Burger King, which makes the mind boggle. But um, look, it is coming in. It, it'll be in. So close protection officers and security consultants is not a licensable activity yet. Under the private security authority, but it will, but it is coming. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit like it's a bit like the UK. Like I did the UK CP course one from a research perspective to understand what the course was about and all that kind of stuff. But it's it's a standard, and that's the thing. It's on a national framework, and it is a standard. Uh, is it a very good standard? That's a matter of opinion. Um, but it's a standard. It's it's a minimum requirement. Mm-hmm. I, I
3: know you've done it research is part of your master's degree on the UK SIA course. I believe you've done part of your degree where you questioned the students and also the instructors separately. So what were your findings with that? And um, and I know you're working towards putting some licensing together or course together in Ireland. Um, so, so tell me a bit about that as well, how the two mix what you've learned from the UK side
0: to help you implement something in Ireland. Well, it was was understanding the methodology, really. I mean, I found that 80% of the instructors uh, didn't feel that the SII course was fit for purpose, and 90% of the students said the SII course was not fit for purpose. Um, And I mean, a lot of people had issues with with what I wrote in my dissertation, but I mean, from my perspective, it was brilliant because it was empirical research. It wasn't my opinion. It was the opinion of, the. the, I let the research do the talking, Mm -hmm. and that, that was the. And that was one of my big focuses wasn't to get drawn into my own personal opinions. It was let the research speak for itself. I would have loved to see my research done with maybe a thousand students and 50 instructors, all from different from different companies. And the way I snowballed the the instructors was I I didn't actually use three or four people from the one company. I used people who. So I'd ring you, Sean, and say, look, I'm looking for another instructor, but not from your company. From another company and you'd know another instructor passed me on his details, he did the research, and that's how that's how I got really good feedback. Um, and, and look, to be fair, there were some amazing courses out there and you know some that barely, barely ticked the box. Mm-hmm. You know, there was one course I, I remember doing the the the, the speaking and I did mean, three days in the classroom and 12 days out in a forest playing airsoft <laughs> in a country that you can't carry a firearm. It doesn't make sense. And didn't make sense. Yeah, no, there, there's a there is a vast difference
3: between di- you know different courses and sometimes you, you you do get what you pay for. So you do have to research properly whoever you're gonna invest in, yeah, to carry out your course because that the reputation of that provider can also follow you into the industry wherever you go. Um, so definitely carry out your own research for sure. I,
0: I- Oh know a lot, a lot of the, a lot of uh, people who will take you on. You know, if you do X course, we will take you on. If you do not white course, we're not taking you on. I know you have the same badge at the end of it, um, and I think one of the key findings of the research was around the word standard, right? And as one guy, he was he was XSAS. He said to me, Gary, the difference I have with the, with with the with the SOA is the word standard, right? He said, if I see a guy with a, an SAS Berry on, he's trained to a standard. I know that standard is met. Whereas if you have an SIA badge, that doesn't mean you meet the standard. You know, if you look at the difference between a, a CP course in the military or a police on a CP course in, in the private sector, you pay for the course and the, the onus is on the instructor to get you through the course, to get you to pass it. I mean, many fellas, do you know, who have failed an SIA CP course? Are many fellas have, have been pulled off you know the, the the Royal Military Police CPO course. Mm-hmm. You get put. You can be you can be flagged off that course with an RTU in on your first day, and it's the it's the same in Ireland with the Ranger Wing lads when they do their CP course. You can be pulled off after you if you don't meet the standard of every every section. You're pulled off the course and returned to your unit. That's not the way it works in the in the corporate sector. Yeah, very different indeed. Um, so Gary, how can
3: we make better partnership choices and what opportunities do you see in the industry
0: right now? Um, partnership choices, I think it's going to come down, you know, when, when, they, when the PSA in Ireland eventually decide to license the CP, you know, I'll have a, a huge document that's empirical research. It's not my opinion. It's what the research has told me. And um, I think that will be a, a good starting point because I, I keep my own opinions to myself and um, other than on this call. But, uh, you know, in my research, I, I let, the, let the research do the talking and I have some amazing people to speak to. The, the, the research I will be doing will be, it, it will go on a couple of models. I'll have the military, the military centric, the police centric and then the corporate centric. So I'll be interviewing people from each sector that haven't crossed over to see what way their their mindsets are. And um, you know, from a partnership perspective, we think there is an opportunity for a really good par- a really good partner in the UK to get a lot of work in Ireland. But I mean look they, they will have to bow down to the PSA. That is the other thing because um of course with Brexit the, the transfer of goods and services doesn't apply to,
1: to the UK. And and so Gary, I wonder then what what's currently attractive when let's say someone from the uk comes over and says oh i've got x y and z i mean does x y and z mean anything (laughs) what's what's actually attractive at the moment and and conversely what are you seeing that is attractive internationally that that you know island security professionals are are sort of offering is is there some sort of demand for for ranger unit uh, personnel and then and then conversely you know what could someone do to get noticed
0: um, I think, to be honest with you, it, it really is down to your exposure. Look, I've I've always worked off the PI model, which is performance image exposure. You know, ten percent is performance, thirty percent is your image, and sixty percent is exposure. Um, and and you will be re- look if you're good at what you do, you will be referred. There's absolutely no doubt about it. And um, guys who put up on their on their you know their LinkedIn profile, oh, I looked after the Pope and I looked after the you know the President of America and all this kind of stuff and you know, you see them on Facebook with, you know, pictures with Angelina Jolie and all that kind of stuff, you know, you won't be taken seriously with that kind of stuff. So it's understanding your image element is is critically important. Like if if you can't keep quiet about doing, doing work with Angelina Jolie, I'm not going to trust you to look after my executive that's coming into the, to the, to Ireland because you're going to be more concerned about getting a selfie with the executive than anything else. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And, if if I hear one more person whose brother looks after the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, I I don't know what I'll do. Uh, but it, 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 it would seem that everybody is is doing that, and uh, and so perhaps nobody's doing that. Um, the the great professional, I, I, we we've actually had that a number of times, um, as as a topic. We we also had a fellow countryman Terry Conlon come on and do something about workplace violence in uh, in, in Ireland, and. And he sort of mentioned some of the regulatory requirements from retail security. Um, and I know you mentioned that you you had vast retail security experience. Um, one thing we asked um, uh, john ed uh, from 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 Mast actually was, what do you think the retail security world has to teach EP? Um I know we've gone over this in the podcast before, but i but i I want to ask you from your unique perspective.
0: Uh, confidentiality I think is the big thing That's exactly what it has I mean I worked for, for Brown Thomas for a long time um, as, a, as a subcontractor in um, One of the big things was Just keep your mouth shut Doesn't matter who's in the store Get in a private session Keep your mouth shut No one is to know they're here You know the way Facebook is You could have you know A thousand people outside in five minutes let them come in, do their personal shopping and leave. And it's around that confidentiality piece. I think that was key. That's one of the key things I would say. Um, I mean, I've, I've seen all sorts of people in Brown Thomas. Um, like people spending, you know, vast sums of money. Um, presidents, all sorts of stuff. But look, you just, you, you do your job. I mean, I was, I was lucky enough to be in a in a, a lift many years ago with uh, Alexander McQueen, the, the famous fashion designer. And we we're going up in the lift and he kind of I said, geez, I really like your cufflinks. And like he took them off and gave them to me. You know, not the most professional thing in the world, but you know, I wasn't, I wasn't doing EP at the point. was just a security manager bringing him up to bringing them up to um to to, to 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 the VIP suite. Um interesting, interesting times.
1: Nice. That's 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 really nice. And it paints a, a nice picture of your your sort of your principal. I know he wasn't your principal, but you know, you're still looking after him. So um now of course I know that you're great friends with the ISRM and uh you know you are connected to David Rubens who very kindly supports our work um how is the ISRM uh you know progressing in Ireland um what what are you doing to sort of change the mindset of risk management um especially with regards to EP Well it's
0: it's funny um it hasn't even come out yet but on the tour to Dublin we're going to have our first face-to-face conference um, in workday. So it's, it's going to be fully sponsored. Um, we have six courses that are free. They'll be kind of raffled out or whatever way we're going to do it on the day. Conference folders. We have six speakers on the day. Um, I have, uh, funny enough, a guy from the Army Ranger, and he's going to talk about the transition from the military world into the corporate world. Um, I have Leo Harris from Mangard Plus. He's my COO. He's going to talk about uh, ri- corporate risk in the, or, or sorry, uh, risk in the corporate sphere. Uh, Paul Kellett, who's the chief of the Midlands Prison, he's going to talk about risk in a high, net, high, high risk environment. Um, I have Dr. David and Morris from Leicester University. He's talking on intelligence within the corporate sector. And I've two more, sorry, I've Finbar McCarthy, who's going to talk about procurement within the risks, within the, the the risk industry and then i've won more i'm just waiting on it to be confirmed but there'll be six speakers on the day very very high high level speakers and and uh yeah it's it's look it's all free of charge and uh, yeah it will be literally the first 75 people who, who register for the event will uh will, will be there
1: now that sounds like an awesome initiative and uh i'm sure i'm sure we're cross pollinating because we're sort of partnering with ISM and uh uh, everything so 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 i'm sure our listeners will get a get a whiff of that um and also i know I, th- I think i know finbar so 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 that's great and it's nice to see some more academics coming in which perhaps in, is a question of, of, of its own because until you i only knew of one person that did or is doing a phd related or in connection with ep yeah. um is, is it is it just intrinsically worth it for you or is it worth a, a professional to even consider it later down the line?
0: I, I fell into CP. Well, I did a lot of CP work, you know, years ago. and I did the, you know, the, the, the what would you call it? The, the runways and the bits and bobs. But, I mean, t- to be honest, I loved the, the, the whole theory around close protection. And it, it was something that kind of fell into the methodologies, I understand. I like the, the psychology of it all. Um, so, for example, if, you have, if you're dealing looking after a, a politician who has a death threat over his head, you know, is his ment- mental health going to be affected? Is the way he or she makes a, makes a, a political decision going to be affected based on the fact that he has um, a death threat over him? You know, understanding about academic theories like wicked problems, um, look, EP in my, in my perspective is a wicked problem. You can't fix it. You can only minimise the risk, or reduce the risk, or mitigate the risk. Um, but it's always going to be there. You can't. It, you're never going to eradicate um, the, the, the use of it for a CP. So it's understanding those methodologies, and then the difference between you know knowledge acquisition and skill acquisition, and the different models in there. You know Broadwell's model and Dreyfus and Dreyfus there's a million models out there of how, how skills can be can, can be adapted and someone who can tell you can teach you a skill in, in a couple of days is, is, is sorely mistaken because skills are developed over time knowledge you can pass on through classroom environment and it can be tested but you can't teach you can teach basic skills but skills are, you know you give a fella stick him on a range with a nine mill for two days and he doesn't pick up a gun for another three years he's not competent or she's not competent. It's only when you're doing it every day, so those skills are developed, and that's that's one of the big things that will come out of the out of the research, is the difference between skill acquisition and knowledge acquisition. So it's that kind of stuff we
1: find fascinating. Um, Sean, do you, do you want to do you want to do a PhD? Is that is that something that's on the cards for you?
3: <laughs> I'm busy doing an MBA at the moment, and it's, it's it took over my life. So <laughs> I've been so busy in my own business. I couldn't see myself doing a
0: PhD at the moment <laughs> anytime soon. <laughs> the advice I'll tell you is do it because when you're talking about doing it and thinking about doing it, look, I'm in my third year of a PhD. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it's a professional doctor I'm doing. And my professional doctor is a DBA, sort of a doctor in business administration. Mm-hmm. But the topic is around close protection. Like there was no point in me doing the master's in security and risk because I already had a master's degree in security management. So, my advice, well, my my uh, dissertation supervisor, um, and he actually currently is my uh, thesis supervisor, told me do a DBA. He said the doors, the, the, that arc is wider now. With, with with a DBA rather than with just a doctorate, and security risk. Risk you're kind of pigeonholed into one area. So he said do the DBA. I can still do. I'm doing exactly the same thesis I was going to do, but I live with a DBA rather than a doctorate and security and risk.
3: Mm-hmm. No, in, interesting. Um
0: but yeah. the advice to me was why would you copper fasten something that's already fastened? You only copper fastening the fact that you have a master's in it. When you actually sit down, I actually went, that's really, really good advice. Because in, in the in the corporate boardroom now, security, you know, if you look at any any um any of the um heads of security now, they all have to have some business acumen. Getting into that boardroom, you know, unless you have that acumen, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people come straight from the military, don't they, and and they
3: military or the police.
1: Yeah,
3: quite well, they've reached you know fantastic heights in their respective area, in the police or the military or wherever it may be. As soon as they come across to the corporate sector, whilst they're good at I don't know preventing crime or whatever it is they do, once they get into that corporate environment or family office environment or whoever they're working with, it's you know it's a, it's a pretty steep learning curve,
0: um, and it is. Going back to basic, you have to, you have to be humble and, and learn again. Well, I think commercial awareness in that in that arena is 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 one of the big failings. Look, unless you leave the military at the rank of a colonel or you know a chief inspector in the police, you have no concept of budgets or forecasting, and it was nothing of no concept. You, you don't have a, a good level of it. Like in in the corporate world, you know you need lads to go training. Yeah, when you, you know get the lad, the military guy is going to say, yeah, get the lads on training, get it done. You go, whoa, whoa, whoa hang on there. Who's going to cover the guy on training while he's off training? Mm-hmm. And where's the budget coming from for the training? are the you're putting in on to cover him from training is he going to be paid time and a half while this other sort of guy's gone? So does that whole that whole commercial piece is, um, is 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 fact? And I mean, guy's not even factoring in you know national insurance and you know all the the, the added ons when, when they're pricing for a job. You know, it's uh, it, it's 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 a, it's a mad environment. But uh, look, I, I, had, I had a brilliant, brilliant mentor from a, from a, a commercial perspective. Like the, 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 the managing director of, well, the, the former managing director of Mangard was, you know, he's a commercial genius, and I learned. I, I actually learned so much off from, you know, pricing and doing tenders and all that kind of good stuff. I learned so much from him. Um, it, it was it was really really beneficial to me, and that's probably why I a commercial manager for Mangard. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it is. And it's,
3: it's, anyone who's looking to get into the industry at a senior level, you know, you should definitely look to get that sort of training, you, you know, to come in with none of that background is um, it's pretty tough. And you're going to be dealing and managing people below you who've got, you know, you can learn from their experience and knowledge, but you're the one responsible for managing them budgets. Whatever else, you know. You,
0: yeah, absolutely, Throw in a bit of uh, you know SPSS or you know NVivo to you know, get your data qualitatively or, or quantitatively uh, managed. They're lost, absolutely lost. They're brilliant out in the field, but not behind the desk.
1: This is this is a good uh, connection to uh, our recent uh, episode for, with Scott Walker in the states. Uh, he he's, he's it's not I don't think it's his term, but he, he, he put forward the term veteranpreneur. Um, what what is you know uniquely special about someone from the forces or the services? Um, hey, maybe maybe one thing is uh, may, many people have a pension or a stipend, and actually, if if that's true, then you have a, a bit of a safety net to try something new and and to to try and get these business skills. Absolutely, I'm not
0: looking on way the way it works in the UK, but I mean, look before someone leaves the military in Ireland, you get pre discharge leave you know, to test and get out there and get a couple of courses under your belt. And there's there's all sorts of funding now for for, for recognised courses in Ireland. Like you can do, you know, IFPO courses, uh, ASIS courses, ISRM courses and get them under your belt. And you, you do get a kind of, you get a bit of a bug, I find, when you get, when you do, you know, a level four, then you do a level five, you do a level six, you do a level seven. And you do kind of get that bug. You know, I still haven't got over it. And I'm still still at
1: it. Yeah, you're very much addicted. You've gone uh, whole hog into the uh, doctorate. Um, But uh, but yeah, well, I I really enjoy this. And so and so why don't we just reflect on perhaps advice again, considering what we've spoken about advice, we have for people trying to do business in Ireland, trying to maybe make it um, maybe they want to move to Ireland. A lot of people got Irish passports because of whatever reason. And now, you know, they, 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 they might think, do you know what, let's, let's, let's make it uh, in, in, in that setting. What can we teach them?
0: Well, look, understand the difference between academic qualifications and professional qualifications, I think is, is a big one. I mean, you know, people always tell you stick to the academic qualifications, you know, your are you you're level five, level six. CPP is not a level five or a level six that stands on its own. But the industry demands that standard for data centers and stuff, right? And um, I would say not all companies are the same. Do your research, do your own peer research, you know, Glassdoor, all that kind of stuff. Try and reach out to people on LinkedIn, you know, grow your LinkedIn network. Grow your LinkedIn network, you know, I think going to LinkedIn with about five or six thousand people. You know, you will if you don't know the answer, someone in your network will. And people are people are genuinely out there to try and help you.
1: Like that. And we're, we're hoping that uh, now they have a friend in, in you, Gary, you know, they can, they can reach out and, and say hello. Uh, yeah. and, and unless you're too busy uh, with, with your uh, doctorate.
0: No, a, look, I, I do, I do an awful lot in the
1: industry. Um, but look, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to help anybody who wants to reach out. Love it. Okay. Well, this, is, this has been a fantastic tour of force around uh, Ireland, doing business in Ireland, partnerships in Ireland. And the added bonus that you are a live academic doing a doctorate, which maybe Dr. David Rubens did himself. But apart from the two of you, I don't know many people who've worked in EP doing a doctorate. Uh, So 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 I think this is a unique opportunity to to shine that light and realism. I like the realism. What is uh, occupational? What is academic? You know, look at it in realistic terms, which which I think is really valuable for the community.
0: Absolutely, and I think the industry will dictate what qualifications are reliable and what qualifications are necessary. And I think that's that's, that's pretty clear. You know, if there, if there's a good course out there, it's been run really well. Like if you look at a, Amazon AWS, they've recently put on the if post CPO course as a requirement for a data center manager. So it's not on any national framework anywhere, but they have put it on their job spec. That's what we want. Going forward, the industry will dictate um, what's what's required. And um, look, the, the the big problem I have in Ireland is I had to go to the UK to, to to get those academic qualifications. I had to go to Portsmouth University for my masters and for my doctorate. We we don't have look. We, you can do an emergency management uh, masters in DCU in Ireland at Dublin City University, but other than that, there, there's no requirement. There's no there is no course over here for that.
1: Well maybe that will all change. Maybe uh the uh the Celtic tiger is back. I, I don't know if that's even a term that seems to be a term like 10, 15 years ago. <laughs> is that even a term we should be talking about?
0: Uh Celtic tiger, I think, died a long time ago. It might be Simba Reborn, I think is the the the, the way we call it now, you yeah? know.
1: Simba reborn. There you go. Well, we didn't expect that from uh you know. Uh, talking with you today, but I but I really appreciate uh, your time um, from from Sean and myself. Uh, we we really enjoyed having you on, and uh, as always, I believe this has been another fantastic edition of the Circuit Magazine podcast. It was great to meet Gary and talk. Academia and opportunities in Ireland, especially post-Brexit, I think that is a winning combination. Both, it's inspiring for the operator to say, "Do you know what? There is a lot more you can do for research on this topic," and also making friends in Ireland, Republic of Ireland, is a really, really key thing, especially now. Now businesses are relocating. Uh, what did you think of today's session? Yeah, it's great. You know, I uh, like I said in the
2: intro. It's great to expand your network to meet new people, prominent people, and, and, and just anyone, really. But uh, especially people who are, you know, doing something either a little bit different or um, operating in a different field within the industry. There's so much we can learn.
1: And it's not as if Gary is completely unknown to our community. Of course, many people will know him, uh, not just through his ISRM work, but also the fact that he engages quite a lot with uh, IFSEC. And uh, apropos IFSEC, you know, today uh, is also IFSEC. So if you're at IFSEC, I'm uh, walking around. Uh, uh, please do reach out and, and, and see me. If you're listening in the future, obviously, uh, then, you know, look, look forward to seeing you at some of the next events. And on the subject of next events... You are very welcome, uh, of course, as uh, BPA and uh, number members, uh, as guests of the sixth annual Cyber Physical Convergence Forum. Uh, that's the 9th of June, um, and if you are in London, there will be a, a post event mixer. So, so, so that's uh, absolutely coming up. Uh, w- what about the magazine? What, what, what should people be uh, thinking about? Yeah,
2: well, by the time people listen to this, they—I I give everyone permission to start licking their lips. <laughs> uh, with be- some time between this podcast and the next one you will have the magazine in your hands uh and the, you know a little teaser we've got some really great features in there. Uh, Elijah you know who all regular readers will know has a, a a regular column each issue and he's uh he's opening up a can of worms there and he's asking should executive protection be exciting and this is a really great article because i think uh you know a a lot of us come into the industry and we don't have any um expectations that our work should necessarily be exciting which is in contradiction in many cases to what the general public might think and who you know think it's bullets and bombs and Old James Bond and we've got you know we have got tons of features it's uh it, it's very diverse we've got uh social media we're talking about the the fatal flaws of the modern bodyguard we conclude our uh, three-part intelligence gathering series in this one and we've also got a really great case study from um that from from a TikTok um incident that went very wrong so tons in there lots more than that and look forward to seeing that in the next week
1: licking your lips indeed yeah that sounds tasty and I'm really looking forward to the concluding part of that uh, three-part intelligence uh, series um, and and uh, and yes I think maybe a nice shout out to everyone who is really super active in the uh, naBA connector app and of course the BBA connect app because that is alive and well, and and we really appreciate everything. I, I've I've gotten a lot of one-on-one uh, messages lately, which is really good news. If 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 you uh, want to reach out, as people have done, I'm I'm very happy to uh, sort of be a signpost uh, and uh, and and so on. It's it's really great to see those apps, uh, you know, flourishing. Right, so Gary Bergen, thanks very much. It was a pleasure having you on. I I think it wasn't since uh, Terry Conlon that we had a perspective uh, from the Republic of Ireland and nobody uh, with such a a great connection to academia, especially a doctoral research project in close protection executive security. We have to keep our eye on that. We want to read it. Uh, So uh, please do reach out to Gary. And uh, let's, um, you know, commend making friendships across the, uh, the, the pond and across the Irish Sea. So from John and myself, this, uh, I can attest, has been another fantastic edition of the Circuit Magazine podcast. You have
0: been listening to the Circuit Magazine podcast. Be sure to subscribe and be sure to not miss an episode.